people. Welcome to Ask the Arb Microcast. Helping homeowners, developers, and architects get your planning back on track by demystifying tree surveys. Your host is Matt Harmsworth. So sit back and relax and let us help you get your planning back on track. Hi folks, it's Matt here from the Ask the Arb podcast. Before we get stuck into today's podcast, I'd just like to ask you a favor. If you've ever got any value from this podcast, you could do us a massive favor uh, by going to wherever you get your podcast from and subscribing to the show and leaving us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at go-rover and that would be fantastic. So let's jump right into today. So today I'm super excited because I have got uh, a good friend of mine and also a work colleague with me. So today uh, on the RCR podcast I've got my colleague Peter Hain. Peter Hain is our senior arboricultural consultant here at Rover and I thought seeing as he's up here for some training and helping us induct a new member of staff it'd be worthwhile having him on the show just to just have a little bit of a chat get some background about him and see what's going on so peter welcome i have dragged you in here how are you feeling today yeah, good, thanks. Excellent. Here in sunny I know, I know. It's uh, What was the drive up the A9 like? Uh, it, was, yeah, it was really clear, actually. A bit dark, but uh, I think we'll be hitting the daylight today again. So. Yeah, yeah. You've got a, where, are you, where are you driving back to today? Uh, Bridlington, I think it is. Yeah. Oh, right. What's that? Sure. Okay. Is that for a tree survey, is it? Yeah, so we've got uh, a job in Bridlington on Wednesday and then one in Huntsville, Ah, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, we've got, for the listeners, we've got a new member of staff, Alex, who's uh, who's joined us today, and he's come up to the office here in Inverness, and uh, Peter's been helping out doing some induction with him, and uh, yeah, I think they're going to go out and do some, uh, do some training on the way back down the road, so that'll be, uh, that'll be super exciting. So, Peter... Tell me how on earth you got into this got into this game because although I've known you for I don't know probably what 15 20 years maybe something like that yes, it'd be interesting to know how on earth how on earth did you get into this game how did you end up swinging around up trees well I think like most people in the culture I kind of fell into it um, so going back 30 years uh, our family business was actually uh, a specialist herbaceous nursery and um, we we moved to Vicarage uh, actually in Manchester uh, with sort of five or six acres of grounds which was overrun by uh, rhododendron, the Ponticum variety unfortunately <laughs> and uh, a lot of uh, tree cover that had just been sort of left for decades really um, and we sort of established uh, the, the nursery business there um, putting up polytunnels and uh, setting out formal gardens and obviously as part of that uh, we had quite a bit of uh, tree work to do as well um, my family have always been very much hands-on uh, rather than employed a tree surgeon. I don't think we even realised <laughs> that tree surgeons were a thing in 1985. Um, so, yeah, we just sort of uh, got bow saws and axes and set to. Um, I quickly realised that the, the best part of the job was being up the tree rather than on the ground. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I sort of started my climbing career quite early on um, in my teens. Uh, with a bow saw and some blue polyprop, as most of us did in those days. Spinning around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then sort of 
fast-forwarding a few years from now, um, I was looking at career options at sort of 16, 17, um, and found Reese Heath College, which offered and, um, training. And I mean, did you have yeah. did you have support from your school to find that sort of thing, or did you did you just was, it, was that um, totally self-driven? Sure, I don't I don't even know how how I would have found them at the time. It was obviously sort of pre-internet, really. Um, sort of days where you'd get a paper prospectus from a college. Um, so you knew those sort of horticultural colleges around, but uh, I think that's probably the route we went to Heath with actually, uh, looking at the more sort of horticulture side of things. And then obviously when I realised that they also offered arboricultural mm. training, um, I kind of jumped onto that. Um, interesting that the course I did actually was more uh, sort of targeted towards landscape and uh, mini horticulture. But they actually offered a sort of full module in the second year in um, of our cultural practice. Um, so yeah, that, that's really what's that's, my interest. Yeah, so that's interesting. We must have been going through that at roughly the same yeah, point much, because yeah. I left I left school and I you had to do a year's work experience before you that's could go right. to Maris Wood. Yeah. So I was doing a yeah. year's work experience before I could go to Maris Wood and yeah. they um, that was like a I think it was called an MVQ in amenity horticulture. Right. And you're right, it was like yeah. general practice that's within right. a year specialising yeah. in, in aboriculture. Aboriculture was such a young industry at the time that yeah, sort of a full specialist aboriculture course didn't really No. Outside of Maris Wood I don't think it really existed. Um, so I went down, actually went down for the open day at Reese Heath. Um, I must have been like just 16. And they, they told me, um, no, you can't do this course. You need to have a year's work experience because they'd had bad experiences with school leavers. Yeah. Um, and I, I sort of, we sat down and had a chat with the, the course manager about what I'd actually been doing because I hadn't spent much time in school. I spent most of my time um, sort of in the outdoors and working. Um, it's actually the course leader actually said, uh, "Can I come up and see you um, at, the, at the nursery?" Then, I'm like, yeah, sure. There was sort of a thirty-mile drive for her, so you know, fair play. Um, yeah, she came up and I showed her around and we talked about plants and trees for an hour or so. And at the end of it, she was like, "Well, you've you've clearly got enough work experience yeah. to do this course. So if you want to do it, then um, come start in September." I was the youngest person on the course by about two years. Yeah, I, 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 it sounds like we had quite a similar so. experience. We've yeah. never discussed that before. It's yeah. quite, it's quite interesting. And I'm guessing that that woman must have made quite an impression on you for you to for you to remember. Can you remember her name? Yeah, Alison Evans. Wow, yeah, that's cool. She's actually a landscape architect by training. Yeah, so, um, it's, that kind of experience is actually uh, what what she taught us has kind of sat dormant with me for like twenty years, really. But uh, that's all come back into play with doing the tree surveys and yeah. the work. Because um, she was a sort of proper old school landscape architect, and sort of taught us how to do, you know, planting plans, mm. garden design, and layout, and all that kind of thing. So that that's all been really useful actually for going into the trees. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And so you you went and did that course. How long was that course? Well, it was, again, it was supposed to be a three year course. It was the BTEC diploma, mm. but um, Alison actually compressed it into two years by putting the sandwich year into the summer holidays. Right. So essentially that meant the, the first year terminated early. I can't remember how early, but they, they sort of cut. Well, they, they compressed the first year into um, a shorter period and then sent us out on placement um, for the whole of the summer holidays and then straight back into mm. the second year in September. So um, it was quite ahead of its time, really, I think. 
because uh, he gave you the opportunity to get through essentially a three-year sandwich course yeah. in, in two academic years. I don't. It's not a thing now, is it? Sandwich no, courses because no, that's exactly it? what ours yes, was called. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it's all changed. Yeah, so we've got the uh, obviously the BTEC um, national diploma, which is sort of um, A level equivalent. I can't think where it would fit into the mm. national um, qualification framework now. Um, but it also like the NVQs um, within that as well. And I even managed to get, I was the only person on the course that did it, but I actually managed to get my four basic um, MPTCs ticked off while I was there. So I think I was the youngest person ever to do the um, climbing over rescue. Ticket. So that would have been late 90s? Yeah, it was 97, I did Yeah, that. yeah. 16 or 17, yeah. Yeah. With two lads from uh, Glendale. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And they were barely a thing then, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because um, they had lots of grounds, they had yeah, grounds maintenance think, contracts, think, didn't they? Yeah, I think Glendale was mostly grounds maintenance at the time, and they just sort of set up some ARB teams. Um, these guys were you know, both ex-squaddies and mm. trying to move into the arboriculture side of things. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. A lot, lot of good life experience there. Yeah, I yeah. bet. I bet. So you finish college, yeah. you've got all your tickets, yeah. you're raring to go, yeah. you know one end of the chainsaw from another, yeah. and you can probably sharpen it. So that's that, that that's all great. So where did where did you go from there? How did you... So uh, from there I went sort of back into the family business, because by that time we had a, a sort of landscaping mm. um, contracting side of the business as well. So um, I went back into that, we did a bit of landscaping work, um, but also I was trying to build up the tree surgery side of that as well. Um, pretty much from scratch because nobody else had any um, sort of tree surgery training or experience. Mm. So um, we did start getting that off the ground a little bit and then yeah, we sort of decided to change direction um, with the with the landscaping work um, and I actually ended up going off to uh, Stockport to the council to work for their arbor right. um, on street scene, which was <sighs> mostly involving um, cherry pickers. Yeah. Again, um, Really, really helpful experience. Um, they put me through my HGV training tests as well, so that all, all became very useful. Lots of epicormic growth and pollarding. Huge amounts, yeah. So I was, I was basically only there for twelve months, um, and in the in the summer, the lads that knew all booked two weeks off in mm. sort of early May <laughs> because there was just four weeks of epicormic growth removal on street trees all around Stockport. Um, I think there was a there's an annual list of 600 trees wow. that had to be done. Uh, we could start getting emails from um, councillors in sort of March saying, you know, this one needs to be done. done with secateurs and loppers. With secateurs and loppers, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I did, yeah, hand cramping up at the end of the day. Can't let go of the secateurs. Yes, I'm afraid I only lasted one season. Oh, well, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't blame you. I worked for um, Surrey County Council on their tree teams and it later became Surrey Wildlife Trust and, and we didn't have too much of that, luckily, um, because we tended to not have trees that had dense epicormic growth uh, around the kind of Guildford, Guildford, Surrey area, but the bit that we do did, did do that just yeah it fills me with horror even uh, to this day. Yeah, it's not it's, it's not fun. A team out there doing them even. <laughs> so how did you how did you slide from there into running your own tree surgery business, which I believe is is kind of where you ended up? Yeah, that's right. So I went to work for um, a biocultural association approved contractor after working for the council. 
Um, again, I did about a year with them. Um, and then 2008 happened, and uh, yeah. he sort of had to remodel his business really quickly. Um, I think they'd, they'd sort of invested in a lot of kit, um, which, while the work was there, was great. Um, and then literally as soon as the, the financial crash started to bite, um, they had to sort of diversify and divest of uh, you know asset finance very quickly. Um, and I, 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 had, I had a conversation with them about it, and um, he just said, "Look, to be honest, you'd be better off setting up on your own mm. now." Um, that's what I ended up doing. So, you know, initially, like we all did, a lot of contract climbing, um, sort of various different firms around Manchester. Um, but by that time, I, I kind of knew we were probably heading for um, a relocation due to my wife's work. Um, and then when she when she got a job in Cambridge, we decided to back up and move down there. So it wasn't really until we got down to Cambridge that I started um, still really setting up my own contracting business properly. Um, and you found some trees in Cambridge. Yeah, there are one or two. Are there? There's, there's not as many now as there were when I moved. No. <laughs> <laughs> had some some roles to play in that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of pollinated willows a lot of um, mm. landy eye hedges obviously um, you know windbreaks are a big thing in East Anglia because it's a very flat very flat landscape and the you know, the winds come from from the east and, and what species do they tend to be the usual sort of poplars willows yeah it's a lot of willow uh, very high water table so trees that like their, their feet being mm. wet um, a lot of willow a lot of landy eye um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of immense poplars. They they grow so fast in the fens. It's uh, it's unbelievable. And was that mainly kind of uh, domestic homeowner type yes. boriculture, or was there a mix of good mix? Starting out a lot of domestic work. Um, I helped out with other firms on contracts for the MOD and for uh, like the county council farms estate. Um, so yeah, nice nice little mix of work really. Um, and then as my business became more established. Uh, we sort of got into more site clearances for development. Um, interestingly, we, we did the maintenance, sort of tree maintenance work for uh, some of the RAF sites around East Anglia. Mm. Um, and then as those started to be sold off for housing, I ended up going back and uh, doing some of the site clearances on those <laughs> sites as well, which is interesting. We did on the, when I first set up the, the, the drone side of the business, which I think was about 2013, 2014, something like that, um, there was a company, I can't remember the name of them now, they were, they were a Greek company and they were installing solar farms all across yeah. that and, and we went to, there was a few RAF bases we went to that were being sold yes. off and they were starting to build these huge, huge yes. solar farms. It's immense solar farms across East Anglia. Of course it's one of the sunniest areas in the country so it's natural sort of... Uh, I don't, I don't understand animals. sun. I live, <laughs> I, I live in Inverness yeah. with, yeah, I mean it's, it's sunny today but yeah. um, no, that's not fair. That's not fair uh, for, for Scottish listeners. It's, um, yeah, it, it, it's beautiful up here. It's beautiful. So, so yes. Well, yeah, that's right. We arrange it especially for you. So, you've been, uh, so you ran your tree surgery business. Um, you packed that up, what was it, about a year ago? Yeah, so something like that. About five years ago, I realised uh, tree surgery contracting is uh, exceptionally hard on your body. Um, I probably wasn't going to be able to do it forever, so um, I looked at the, the online foundation degree at Myers Co. Um, started that about five years ago, uh, sort of got through that at the same time as uh, running a contracting business. Don't yeah, it's not, 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 not easy, that, no, is it? It's not, it's not sort of those juggling those time commitments, um, keeping the lads busy and keeping up with the work, but 
yeah, I've got there in the end. Um, and how did you find that 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 online course? Well, it's, it is a good course. There's a, a lot of good content in there. I learned a lot. But as a as a remote learner, as I guess a lot of people are finding during the pandemic, you are on your own. So mm. if, if you're not self motivated and sort of driven to complete the work, it's very easy to fall behind. Um, so yeah, a great experience. Um, it, again, it's all good, all good experience for what I'm doing now. Really working remotely, um, it's sort of being on, on my own quite a bit. But um, yeah, it, it, it really gives you that uh, sort of drive to drive to complete. Things. Yeah, they've got some fantastic, very well, highly regarded Absolutely. lecturers yeah. lecturers yeah, the, there. The level of knowledge on the, the, that course is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think um, Fionn, who's uh, one of our ecologists, she did the ARB element of her of her right. course at MyersCo as well. Um, I also did the the, the online <coughs> distance course, but um, I think I went in there once or twice i can't remember i'm sure i did but that was quite it was like 2009 2010 something like that um and of course we didn't have the internet capability we have now either and that was a massive barrier for me yes oddly enough i i sort of put my name down for the that online course um almost immediately after finishing at race they were talking about starting that the online course for about three years um, before they got off the ground because it was uh, Delgro Callahan, wasn't it? That's right, so yeah. Um, so, yeah, I chatted to him about doing it. Um, unfortunately, by the time it was actually up and running, I was uh, sort of really committed elsewhere. Um, I ended up waiting till what, I was sort of 20, 2014, 2015 before I actually started it. Yeah, I'd thoroughly recommend it for anyone that's um, looking to upskill from sort of contracting. To it's, a, it, level. It's, it's a huge... Um, it's it's a huge barrier, isn't it? Because we've got quite similar backgrounds in that we've moved yeah. from 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 contracting through to consultancy. And I was I was mentored by a guy in, in in North Wales, which was really really beneficial for me before I did any academic qualifications. But for people coming up through, it's really really difficult because I don't know about you, yes. but 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 for me, I always find that um, with the Borough Cultural Consultancy, if you've got a background in contracting, it really is so beneficial so beneficial but of course once you're sucked into that you're potentially running your own business and looking for an out so then to try and find a way to do that studying as well with what might be a two or three year course is 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 really quite difficult and i think what we're seeing now in the industry is a lot of people tree officers and consultants who are training to be tree officers and consultants from you know, literally from leaving school, which is, which is great, but I, I do feel sad that we're losing some of the kind of knowledge base that comes from um, hands-on start to your career. Uh, you know, I think more career progression through from uh, working on the tools to um, office-based roles would be absolutely for the industry. Yeah. I mean, certainly within Rover, I, I tend to I tend to try and employ people. Who well based on personality really and, and, yes. and drive rather than academic qualifications because all that CPD can be bolted on later on, um, but certainly anybody that's got a background in practical arboriculture makes makes for a fantastic mm-hmm. consultant because you just you just get a you just get a feel for things. Absolutely, so yeah, it's, it's twenty years sort of dissecting trees with chainsaws and you know, looking at tree failures in the field. Yeah, it, it gives you that sort of absolutely. You, I think you sort of absorb that knowledge and. Um, just the kind of familiarity with trees and how they work, mm. almost by osmosis. 
So jump in, jump in forwards to 2021 then as your body starts to fall apart and you think, you know what, I really don't want to be Pollard in massive willows on the fens anymore. Um, you sidestep into a boricultural consultancy and uh, we were lucky enough to welcome you on board here uh, in Rover as our senior boricultural consultant. So, I mean, talk us through what, what kind of things do you do day to day in that role? Yeah, so uh, I'd say probably 70% of our workload is related to planning. Mm. Um, so, you know, when people put a planning application in, the, the trees have to be considered as a, as a material constraint if there's trees within sort of 15 metres of the proposed development. So our role is really to go in, we can still collect quite detailed data on those trees, um, and we look at how the how the proposals might affect the trees and how the trees could affect the proposals and, you know, hopefully feed into the design process and, um, you know, help, help people get get the uh, planning that they need to get the design that they, they need and also ensure that the, the trees are protected through, yeah. through that process because um, really what, what we're doing is uh, about ensuring continuous tree cover um, for generations to come uh, as well as uh, you know, people need houses, people need places Absolutely. and offices and you know, whatever kind of development it is. Um, you know, that's that's our role is to kind of facilitate that. And I mean, in the in the London area, particularly during the COVID times, Absolutely. we've seen yeah. a huge uplift yeah. in the requirement for extensions, Absolutely. home offices, home, home buildings, offices. and that yeah. that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And and I mean, that can be that can be particularly in London, central London. That can be a real chilling real, challenge real to challenge. facilitate yes. sometimes. Yeah, so There's a, lot, no. a lot of pressure on sort of land use, a lot of pressure on trees. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're still based in, in Cambridgeshire? That's right, yeah. It's a kind of good location, really. You can reach North London quite easily from there, Midlands as well. Yeah, so, yeah we get around. And what about, what's the what's the kind of biggest challenge that you've you've found so far? I shouldn't ask that, should I? Of, of, <laughs> of, of somebody that, that works within the company, you never know what they're going to come out with. <laughs> no, well, I think biggest biggest challenge really is just kind of communicating... Um, what it is we do to, to people who yes. don't really have a, a obviously don't have a detailed understanding of it so yeah we, we work with uh, a lot of different um, professions and uh, you know tree officers um, land, landscape architects architects all of those people um, and really you've, you've, you've got to make your case for for the trees and for their needs um, advocate for their needs in, in a situation where they're, they're under a lot of pressure and you know people don't really understand um, no. things like you know the tree's root morphology um, you know, we sort of have to communicate that to people in, in a way that they, they can understand and, and work around um, and I, don't, I think it's, it's probably that collaboration actually that I, I find the most rewarding mm. is where you can you can sort of talk to an architect or a structural engineer and um, hopefully come up with a, a solution to to their design issues that protects the tree and gets them the, the design that they need. And do you think that we, us as as um, a company that obviously has an aboricultural consultancy yeah. arm, do you think we're, we're best placed to be the ones that are pushing that message out that trees need to be considered as part of the development process? Or would... 
is there a role for the local planning authority to maybe make it perhaps a little bit clearer? Because I, I certainly sitting here in, in the head office and I hear the phone ringing and a lot of people that get in contact with us, it's they're not aware that trees need to be considered mm. early on, certainly yes. at the design sure. stage. And they're, yeah. they're contacting us because they've either, their planning application has been invalidated um, or there's been pushback or yeah. the planning officer has discovered that there's trees on site and they're saying, look, look Bob you're going to need this you're going to need this tree survey yeah. and we quite often then we become the bad guys don't we because we're 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 going there we're surveying the trees we're discovering these obstacles i just wonder i'm not sure where i sit on this but i do wonder whether perhaps the requirement for a tree survey and in some instances the ecological side of things as well is just a little bit buried um, the information's yes. there. We know it's there, right. but certainly from a homeowner residential extension kind of perspective, I don't know what's, yeah. what's your thoughts on that. Well, that's an interesting one. I mean, a very common scenario is you know, obviously the, the planning application goes in, and then the, the need for a agricultural survey isn't flagged up until maybe you know, four or five weeks into that um, planning process, which is you know, really too late and quite a common. Uh, thing I hear from clients is, but we had a pre-app, and, and nobody, yeah. nobody said anything at the pre-app stage. So, absolutely, I, I would love to see uh, more input from from local authorities, from tree officers. But I also have a huge amount of sympathy for tree officers. They're under an immense amounts of pressure. Absolutely, they're underfunded, just like every unfortunately every local um, local government service is now. Um, and they just don't have the resources. I see tree officers firefighting all the time. Mm. Uh, my approach is always to sort of try and work um, as closely with the tree officer as possible, good communication from the start, um, try and get them, you know, on the side. Because at the end of the day, it, this isn't an adversarial process. We're all on the same side. Yes. We're all working to the same British standard. Uh, I, you know, I really think... You know, sort of closer links between uh, consultants and uh, local authorities is definitely the way to go and it's it's I, I think with that degree of separation as well the fact that the, the 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 tree officer is one of the consultees on that particular application and there are obviously other consultees you know um, county highways ecologists etc etc all feeding into that process and you've got the planning officer protecting the consultees from uh, from the applicant and I think sometimes I had one yesterday actually I think sometimes the messaging coming from um, tree officers is lost in translation as it as it throw, flows through the planning officer to the architect or planning consultant and then down to the client and by the time it gets to the client they do seem to think some do that it is a simple box ticking uh, uh, exercise which yeah, can be frustrating can be the truth yeah in reality you know, the level of detail that we, we sort of go into on these surveys, I, I don't think clients appreciate that up front. No. And again, that, that's where the where our mission is to educate people, to inform them about the process and try and sort of make it as, all as smooth as possible for them. Well, certainly that's, that, that's my approach. I mean, anybody that phones into the office here, whether it leads to a commission or not, we just want to give them sensible, helpful advice, and if they go with somebody absolutely. else, fine, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But let's at least make sure they've yeah. they've they've got the got the right advice. Sometimes it's an inquiry we literally can't help with. Yes, but you know, if, it, if I can give them a little bit of advice, I'll point them in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely, I will. So I guess as we kind of 
start to think about wrapping this up, one of the one of the final things I'd like to um, ask you, Peter, is what would be the single biggest piece of advice that you could give to somebody as they start to embark on their on their uh, well, first off, their planning journey, and secondly, their arboricultural journey. So, two things to throw at you there. Okay, so I think for people starting off on their planning journey, my advice would always be to get the tree consultant involved as early as possible in the design process. Um, you know, the sooner we get involved, the sooner we can help out with uh, sort of design layout issues, and the, the easier it's going to be to get your um, planning application through without any resistance from from the tree officer. So that's the number one tip. And um, for people that are starting out in the industry. Um, I think it's a great industry to be in. Uh, try and get some hands-on experience if you can. Um, there's, there's plenty of good uh, sort of college, university level um, courses to go into if that's your thing. But yeah, it's a very exciting industry to be in. Um, Fantastic. And thanks to you, Peter, for agreeing to come in here and, and, and chat with me when you've got no uh, a workload up to your head and you've yeah. got to drive to Bridlington from Inverness this afternoon. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for coming in to see us. Thanks for being on the RCR podcast and we will speak to you soon. Cheers. And that's it for today, folks. Thanks a lot for listening to the RCR microcast. Remember, if you've ever had any value whatsoever from this podcast, you could do me a massive favour by heading over to wherever you get your podcasts and leaving us a review. Thanks a lot for listening to the show, and I will speak to you on the next one. Cheers. Bye.